my honor to be with you here. And uh, as we get ready this this um, this morning, I'm going to jump really right into it because I'm going to tell you something that happened this summer that has not happened before. And I was telling y'all that I have begun traveling and you know preaching in different place, places. But I have been to I do a lot of vacation Bible schools and teen rallies. And as I had done it, and this was my like I said, th- yeah, because this is my 14th summer. This happened, and it's never happened before. And at this one, it was like, are you serious? And it began changing even the way that I preach to teens. What happened was this. We were at, we were in, I was preaching in Maryland. And as I was there, there was a, uh, we had a meeting like we always have. Usually Sunday after church, uh, the pastor says, who's interested in helping with teen rally? Who's interested in helping with everything? Me in the front row at the church, right? And so they had a, a service where we were meeting all the workers. We all lined up and everything. And there were about 40, I don't know, 40 people there to help with the team, with the, um, the vacation Bible school. And then he did this. He took a piece of paper out and he took a pen and the clipboard and he said, all right, um, pastor's like, all right, uh, here's what I'm going to need. I'm going to need some people um, during during the invitation time, people that's going to be able to comfortable taking a Bible and showing somebody how to be saved. Would you go ahead and sign this list so that I know at the end today, so I know who the people are during the invitation of who it is I need to find so that you can be able to take a child or, or somebody in case they need to be saved. Right, and so they began passing it around, and as they began passing around, you know, and different things, I watched that little piece of paper. It went down the front, down and around through the back. It went through the hands of kids that were in Bible college. It went through the hands of people that were like twice my age. Man, it went all the way back. Then it started making its way back in the front. And there's this one guy who signed it, who, who had been working for Masters Club for many, many years. And, and he signed it. And it came back to the front. And I was dumbfounded. When that piece of paper came back to the front of how many names were on that paper. I couldn't believe it. I, I looked and I said, you're telling me out of this group, 40-something people, if I needed to tell someone how to be saved, you're telling me three of you are comfortable enough to take a Bible and show somebody I didn't say. Look, if you've been saved longer than five years, man, you ought not have any little tabs that you got to jump from this one. 323, jump to 623. Man, you ought to know this. Man, we ought to be experts of being able to tell another person how to be saved. Look, if you're in the house and there's a, ba- a doubt of a matter of salvation, listen, you got to hear this. But my friend, if you you have pens, you have paper, if this question would bother you, if during an invitation, let's just say somebody, I was talking with somebody right here, and let's just say I everybody else was tied up, and during the invitation, I saw you, and you mean you caught eyes, and I said, hey, can you come here? And I took a Bible, and I said, hey, can you tell them real quick how they can be saved? Use my Bible, it's right here. And I gave you my Bible, if that request would make you melt, man, get your pen out. (laughs) If that request would make you uncomfortable, there's a problem if you are saved. You know, I I know that as an evangelist, I'm very passionate about the gospel, and so I I, I do, and I understand that, but a lot of times I read tracts, 
And I know, I don't know, um, Stacey passed out a good number of tracks. And I would hope that you would read the track before you give it out. <laughs> and if you're going to be stepping out by faith to do something that's uncomfortable already for your flesh to do, I trust you would read it. And so I began to read tracks. And you know, when you read tracks sometimes, the invitational line of telling somebody how to be saved. Now listen close. I want you to hear the wording that is many times used. Because I am passionate of not just preaching the gospel, but being clear. About what is meant. You know, uh, this was the end of one track. It says this. Repent, believe, confess your sin to God, confess him before men, and you will be saved. The other one said this. At the very end, explain different things about the gospel. And it said, utter the prayer of the prodigal son right now. Just ask Jesus to be your Lord and master. This one said, this, I don't even know where it came from. Come forward right now and follow Christ in baptism. Oh, this is a good one. Use this a lot. Right now, won't you just place your hand in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus? Right now, won't you just enter in by the narrow gate? And most classic, don't shoot me. But right now, won't you just go ahead and give your heart to Christ? Listen, I know what you mean. I have a master's degree in biblical exposition. I know what you mean. But do you understand... If I told somebody who has no context of God, right now, you want to be saved, place your hands and the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. What does that mean? Right now, just enter in by the narrow gates. What does that mean? Listen, don't shoot me, but if you told my six-year-old daughter, Jasmine, you want to be saved right now, just give your heart to Christ. That's going to be difficult, Daddy. Being honest with you, I'm being honest. What I'm saying is, we have terminology that we use. We have phrases that we use. I get it. But many times, are we clear? Are we clear in what we're saying, what it means to be saved? If I ask many people, how do you be saved? And many people start going on a tangent of telling me all these catchphrases. Oh, let me make sure, let me throw a couple in there. Oh, um, geez, got those G's in there. And I got to convince the person I'm saved. So let me throw another, throw, throw, throw another word of this, another fancy word over here. No, clearly, what does it mean to be saved? Saved from what? What does it even mean? I want to talk about it. Now, you may do it, you may talk and say it differently than I say it. But I'm saying this, that there are three things that no matter how the gospel is presented, no matter what their personality is, no matter where they're from, I'm saying there's some biblical things that must be in any presentation of the gospel. And if something that is uncomfortable for you, I want you to hear me, okay, during this time we have together. And if you're not sure you are saved, I really want you to hear me to understand what it means to be saved. Romans, you got to go there, you got to go there, but let's turn there right quick. Romans, y'all are Bibles, y'all are Bible, uh, who's it, sword drill people, so y'all are fast, so I'm going to start reading. Romans 3.20, Romans 3.20. You know, I, 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 historically, you know, the Romans road is used many times. I'm going to jump around in different places, just as you're going to see, but I do want it to be understood, just some, some basis of some um, verses that many of you already know. It says in Romans 3.20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law, by, um, I'm sorry, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon 
all that believe. For there is no difference. Then Romans 3.23. Can you say it with me all together? Romans 3.23. You ready? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let's pray as we begin. Father, or I'm pastor of the gospel. Well, that's not enough. Lord, your power must be here in this place. Well, I thank you for these things. Thank you, Lord, for their attention as we've gone throughout this time. Well, I pray that you just help us give us, Lord, a natural energy to, Lord, to be able, Lord, to be able to hear and be able to listen and be able to understand what the concept that be being shared. I pray that you would just be used this time together, Lord, not in a tacking session, Lord, but in a session for us to be able to hone our skills, Lord, to be confident in sharing our faith. I pray that we would be able to do it. Lord, someone cared for us to share the gospel, as has already been said. And, Lord, as we look at this this morning, we just say, Lord, God, please, Lord, please help us, Lord, to be effective in sharing our faith. Thank you so much for everything you've done and will do. In Christ's name we pray it all. Amen. All right. First thing, no matter how you present the gospel, no matter how you tell another person how to be saved, number one, this must be in. And like, like I said, you might say it different than I, is number one, we have a problem. We have a problem. The problem is called sin. There is no presentation of the gospel that you cannot include the fact that you and I have a need. This was probably the maddest I've ever been close, not in my life, but this, it happened a couple of months ago when I was in Texas. My daughter was, was at a place, they had a little fair, and, and they had some games and stuff, and then they had a guy give up and give a lesson. He was a heretic, who he was, but anyway, he got up to give a lesson to the kids. He got all the kids together, and here's what he did. He kind of got them together, and he said, hey, boys and girls, let me tell you a story. And he was an animated fella. It was just lovable. looked like Santa Claus, right? Man, just, hey, kids, let me tell you a story. Hey. There's a story about a man who had a kingdom and this kingdom was high on a hill and all the kids wanted to go to this kingdom that was on this hill. And as they wanted to go, they said, how can we go to the kingdom? The kingdom king said, well, you can come to my kingdom only if you are my child. The children looked and said, oh, no, I don't know if I'm his child, how to become his child. Oh, the king says, it's okay if you want to become my child and you want to come to my kingdom, just say this after me. And he had all the kids bow their heads and close their eyes. I was furious at this point. And he began to say, all right, kids, right now, if you want to know for sure that you want to go to that kingdom where God is, repeat after me, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I want to go, I want to go and be to the kingdom. I was living. Why? That is heresy. That is wrong. You do not get saved. You are saved from something. Those kids have no recollection and idea that their sin is why they must go to hell. It is nothing else. You've got to understand, you have a problem. It's called sin. It's not just wally jolly, just repeat a prayer and everybody just follow after the nice, happy person that's heading to the heavenly kingdom. You have a problem. Sin is it. People tell me their testimony. Tell me how I got saved. Oh, I'll tell you, I was walking in the woods, Adrian. And as I walked in the woods, I got lost. I didn't know where I was. And that's why I saw a lie. Oh, I saw a lie. I began to go to that lie. And I tell you, I now was not lost, but I was found. And brother, I have been saved ever since. No, you're not. You know, you say, oh, I was, I was in the hospital and the doctor came in and he shook his head and said, there's no way, there's no way you're going to survive this. And I said, no, I'm going to trust in the Father. And you went ahead and God healed you. Listen, that means God was good to you. It does not mean you're saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. Sin is the problem. If I can never acknowledge that my life is messed up by sin... 
and that I need a Savior, not to save me from a bad situation, but a Savior to save me from sin. Then save from what is the word? I mean, I know we like to use the terminology. You say, yeah, I'm saved. You say, I'm saved. Understand what we're saying and being saved from. Now look. We talk about this matter of sin. He says, that's why you have the law. That's why the word of God. That's why some people, when they go to church and they hear how wrong they are, they get pretty mad and walk out. But because of the law, we know that we are messed up. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal, and I have. The Bible says, thou shalt not lie, and I have. You see, I see that I have a need within my life by reading the word of God. Now, you look at this, and, and you know, the rich young ruler was a great key example that you see because he goes to Jesus one day, and Jesus, he says, hey, so what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and he said, well, you know, perfection. Basically, you never sin. Well, the, the rich young ruler said, you know what? I got that already. I got that, yeah. You know, I've, I've kept all the law since I've been a child, you know. And Jesus said, oh, really? So you kept all the law? Yeah, I kept all the law. He said, all right, if you're so spiritual, how about you go do this? How about you go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, okay? You're so spiritual. He looks at him and said, hey, let's not get crazy now. I didn't even say I was going to do all that. What he says is, Jesus showed to that rich young ruler, you have a need. Your money cannot meet that need. The only thing is, you have a problem. And the problem is called sin. And you say, Adrian, you're rough. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? But you got to understand, we need somebody. So, okay, number one, you have a need. Number two, God has a solution. Number, let me, let me finish this. God has a solution. <clears throat> he has one solution. Okay? He has a solution. And God has one solution for the problem. Okay? Uh, John, 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 book of John, John 14, John 14, John 14. Well, this is, this is here, I was for the cross, but Jesus says something in a statement that's pretty incredible. Pretty, pretty dogmatic if you ask me. Pretty clear. John 14, 6, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know what? God has one solution for this problem that's called sin, and it's called his son. Listen very close. Do not lose me, okay? Jesus Christ came down to this earth, and he lived a perfect life. He, he died on a cross, not just for giggles and kicks. He died on a cross because he who knew no sin died for someone who had sin, you and I. And when then after that, he died. He did not pass out. He did not go into a coma. He died. He was put into a grave. And by his own power, he came up out of that grave. If I, that is called the gospel. Now listen, if I can never acknowledge that Jesus Christ truly died and was buried and rose again, you'll never go to heaven. Never go to heaven. You know why I hated that story that about this king and this kingdom? Man, if it feels that's that simple. If it was just a matter of repeating words, do you know what my ministry would be? My ministry would be I would go to the streets and the alleys and I'd put a gun to a person's head and say, repeat after me. Ready? Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus, I want you to save me. If that were, that would be my ministry. Do you know why? Oh, because I have a ton of converts. <laughs> just make people say they don't, something they don't mean. If that's all we had to do is make people repeat things after us. But I can't make you be saved. 
You must believe that Jesus Christ's son died. Now listen to me. It is God. God says that is my only solution that I have. A lot of people say, Brother Adrian, I don't want to talk about religion. I don't want to talk about what I believe about Jesus. I don't really want to. We get in those conversations and my friends believe other things or whatever. And so I'm not well versed in whatever they believe. So I'm not really comfortable sharing different things. Now listen close. You do not have to be a Bible student to be able to understand what it means in these areas. If they add anything to Jesus, it's wrong. <laughs> if you say, well, Jesus, and then also you have to, no, 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 no. If you add anything to what Jesus has done, there's no further discussion needed. There's no other thing for us to say. God says, I have one solution, and that is my son. And to add anything is insulting unto God. You know, um, Yanny, right? You know, I'm saying it right. Okay, I'm gonna pick on you again since you're sitting right there. What's your favorite car? You have a favorite car? Not really. Pick one. Ford, Ford F-150. All right. Let's just say I want to take Yanny over to the to the car dealership, and I'm gonna get him a Ford F-150. Man, I'm gonna get it decked out. I'm gonna get it nice looking, right? Let's just say I, I go to the car lot and I go and I say, you know what, sir, I'm going to pay cash for this man. I'm, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this truck for him. And as I do, I pay cash for it. And as I pay cash for it, man, man, he's shaking my hand. Would I be your favorite evangelist then at that point? Oh, he's like thinking about it. I'm like, man, can't even buy a friend around here. You know what I'm saying? And he go over there and he said, you know, okay, brother Adrian, I appreciate that, man. He's shaking my hand and stuff. And I say, you know what? Come on, here are the keys, man. And me and him, we're walking out. As we're walking out, he says, hold on, hold on, hold on, brother I'll be right with you. I'll be right up there with you. Let me do one thing. He goes run back to the counter and he goes run back to the counter. He reaches to his pocket and he pulls out a penny. Y'all got pennies in Canada, right? Nope. What do you got? What's your smallest one? A nickel. All right. You pull out a nickel. A nickel, right? You got a nickel? All right. He pulls out a Canadian nickel. <laughs> and he pulls out a Canadian nickel and he slaps that on the counter. And he slaps that on the counter. He tells that man, hey, look. He goes, hey, I, I just want to add that to the balance of that car. I just want Brother Asia to know that I helped buy that car. And so, here you go. Go ahead and add the balance of that car. I mean, I know there is no balance, but I'm going to add it to it, to it anyway. I appreciate it. He walks out. Hey, Brother Adrian, he walks back out. And we walk out the door. And let's just say, man, he pulls in. Let's just say the youth rally lasted another day. And he pulls into the youth rally. Everybody comes around. Oh, dude, where'd you get a car? Man, where'd you get that truck? Your parents bought you a truck. Are you serious? And he says, nah, nah, nah. He said, uh, actually, uh, um, Brother Adrian helped me out and he bought me this car. We both bought this car, but he helped me out buy this car. I helped you out. Now, what if I overheard that knucklehead say something like that? You helped? I didn't ask for your Canadian nickel. <laughs> you added that of your own prerogative. I paid for that car. Truck, whatever. <laughs> I paid for the truck. For you to say you helped is insulting. Look, could you imagine God? Oh, my son wasn't enough. Oh, you got to throw some baptism up in there because he isn't enough. Oh, my son ain't enough. Oh, what he did on the cross, what you, oh, you got to go to and add some church attendance to it. You gotta add a little something else to what my son has already done. Can you not look? God says, look, I have one solution to the problem of sin, and that is my son and him alone you trust. You know, this is even evident in the Old Testament. The serpents that went out and bit the people there. 
Remember that people were dying left and right. And so what did they say do? They said, God told Moses, Moses, take a brass serpent and you put it in the middle of the camp. And as you put the brass serpent in the middle of the camp, anybody that looks at the serpent will live. And then you have this serpent that's here in the middle of the camp. And there are people who do this. There are people who were got bitten there inside their tent. And, they, and somebody runs in and says, hey, look, Moses says, if you go look at that serpent, you can be healed. And I'm sure they said, help me out, help me out. And they walked over and they went to the middle of the camp and they looked at that serpent and they were healed because of their faith. And there are some people who heard somebody ran in and says, hey, there's a serpent out there. If you go look at that serpent, you'll be healed. And they looked and they said, are you serious? Just go look at a serpent on a stick. Hey, look, I got better things to do. Look here. I got grandma's ointment, man. It fixes everything and I'll be just fine as I put it on this snake bite. You know what happened to them? They died. That's what happened to them. Now, listen. Now, I believe there's a third group that happened in there. That third group, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do. I'm going to get grandma's ointment and I'm going to go look at that serpent. I bet they died. Why? You put your faith in what Christ said, dude, and that, and that alone. You put everything you know. Jesus Christ, God has one solution. So if you tell anybody how to be saved, you have got to understand you have a problem. We have a, It's called sin. you got to understand that. And then you got to understand that God does have a solution. This called the good news. It's called the gospel that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again and that you can be saved. Now, lastly, and we're done. This doesn't usually make the list of the, Rome, of, of the Romans road, but I don't know why it doesn't get an honorable mention. But in Romans 4, 5, can you turn there? I mean, I, I believe it's right up there with many of the other ones as well. But Romans, Romans 4, 5. Romans 4, 5. You know, last year as I preached, there's usually been something that Lord just really just rakes me over the coals about as I prepare to preach different places. And I think two years ago, the theme of almost my life and as I talked to my family about different things was this. Is, is the devil is a master of making us care about things that don't matter. And this is evident in this passage I'm going to read to you right now. Romans 4, 5, it says this, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. All right, so I have a problem. It's called sin. God has a solution. It's his son. Now I have, listen, number three, now I have a responsibility. It's called faith in him. Faith in him. Now look, a lot of times when I hear people's testimonies, listen, there's nothing wrong with the testimony like this, so please don't get mad at me. There's nothing wrong with the testimony like this. But I'll just tell you how it happened in my life. You know where I was. All right, God would get up, and he'd be about 40, 45 years old, and he'd get up and he'd say, let me tell you how I got saved, young people. Let me tell you how I got saved. Uh, I'll tell you one day, I was, uh, I used to be involved in this, and I used to be in alcohol and drugs, and I used to go around and do so many different things, and I'm so ashamed of today, and as I did, but you know what happened? When I became 35 years old, I walked into a church, and I heard the gospel, and I got saved. And I tell you, after I got saved, oh, hallelujah, man, you couldn't keep me out of the word of God. You couldn't keep me out of the house of God. Oh, praise God. I thank God that I'm a new creature in Christ. I have been saved from my sin. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with the testimony of that. Hear me. But let me tell you what happened to me. I was seven. I was in junior church. And they had a, the invitation. And they had those that weren't sure they saved. They would go back to the back. And there's a lady by the name of Miss Arlene. And she said something so fast, I didn't even understand her. And I said, no. And she said, okay, then go back to your seat. She thought I was a church kid, so I was just going back for giggles and kicks. But I was like, I kind of want to go back there where they're getting saved and stuff. And I remember going back to my seat. Well, I went back to my seat, and I knew that I needed to ask Jesus to save me. So the best way I knew how, in my seat there at your church, I asked the Lord to save me from my sin. 
Now, I was seven, like I said, and after I got done, you ready for this transformation testimony? I went back home. Man, I got, it, was, it was incredible. I went back home, and uh, I think I watched Andy Griffith, and I had some cheese puffs. And then, man, it was like a light. I mean, did you not see that how, man, when I got saved, man, it just turned it around, you know? You know, I began to do, listen close, hear, hear me, and don't act like no one else has done in the house. I began to compare my salvation testimony with other salvation testimonies to really think, did I really do it? Did I get it? You know, even be honest. I mean, I'm seven. I mean, this guy, he got saved. Couldn't keep me out of the house of God. I love the Bible. I'm like, I, I, I like the Bible. I, I do. I, I, I barely read some of those words, but I, I do like it. You know, uh, church. Yeah, yeah. I'm a new creature, baby. Yes, I am. But listen closely. Here's the thing. The devil is the master of making us care about things that do not matter. The circumstances of how he was feeling and whether or not I jumped up and down, whether or not I cried or whatever it is, surrounds and clouds the fact of faith. The point is faith. Did you believe that Jesus Christ was a substitute for your sin? Do you believe it? Listen, so often we can do this. Man, did I say it right? Okay. Then, you know how many times I pray the sinner's prayer between ages 7 to 12? Oh, my goodness. Hear a message on hell. Oh, did I say it right? I didn't say it right. I didn't. Oh, repent. Oh, I didn't say the word repent. Oh, my goodness. Let me try this again. All right, Lord. Now I really repent. Now, did I really mean it? Because on the believe meter I don't think I'll hit a number five of the believe meter I need to hit a ten. So this time, I believe. I believe this time, you know. I mean, I played every mental game there was to be able to say that I now have got Jesus in my heart. You know, I tried to do that. Listen to me. Uh, this, this helped me. You know, um, quick, crazy illustration, but I think it puts a point. Uh, married men. I think it's Calvin, you're married, so. Any other married? Just me and you, huh? Oh, oh, brother, I don't know you, but. I'm sorry? Brother Domans? Yo, man, huh? Yo, men's. Brother Yeomans. All right. Great. <laughs> I like Canada. All right. Um, put you on the spot. Put you both on the spot. All right? When you got married. Did y'all do the whole don't look at your wife until the actual wedding time? Oh, good for you. I did too. Right. Now, when you, if there was an emoji to describe your face, when you first saw her, right, you first saw her in the back, and here she is getting ready to come down the aisle, and you saw her. Where the count? Ah, okay, okay. The little blubber one and different things. Now, all right, so he's like a little blubber guy over there. All right, all right, brother, over <laughs> so he's ecstatic. So you were ecstatic when you come out, when you see the big day happening before your eyes. Well, now, with me, it's different, okay? With me, it's different. Now, okay, so big, turn to a little bit of a cry, little, you know, ah, big, big, big smile, you know, so excited. Now, when I got married, now it's different, because you gotta you got know me, I, I cried everything. I cry at movies, it's ridiculous. I mean, Frozen, I cry, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm like, Elsa, did they really have to throw the girl out? You know, I mean, my wife is the one who consoles me during movies. It's really, I have not watched one Undercover Boss episode without crying. I almost made it through one. I almost made it through one. But at the end, it got me. Oh, you know, so I cry, right? So when I was up there and I saw my wife for the first time, well, my soon-to-be wife for the first time, you can guess what I was doing. Oh, I was a mess. You know, I'm just crying. I'm crying. Even we're saying my vow, my vows. I'm like, for till death do us part. You know, I mean, I'm happy. I just cry, right? Now, when you ask me, am I, are you married, Brother Adrian? 
You just say, are you married? You look for a ring and you look for the wife. Okay, you said your vow. We don't really question it. We don't say, what well, did you really mean it? <laughs> oh, oh, wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec. Did you cry or were you really happy? I mean, why exactly do you really feel that you're married? I got married, man. I, I looked at her and in front of everybody, I told her that I was going to play my I'm married. Now, listen to me. Some people, when they marry, they do a number of different things. Some people are just blubbery. <laughs> Some people are just ecstatic. Some people just cry. It doesn't matter the emotion that surrounds it. The fact is, that's what happened. Listen, when people get saved, don't miss the point. It's faith. Some people cry. Some people laugh. Some people run around the building. Some people go home and eat cheese puffs after they finish up being saved. What I'm saying is, don't measure this. The point is faith. 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 Did you believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was the one that took your place for sin? And the best way you know how, through a prayer or whatever, you looked to heaven and you said to God, God, I believe by faith that you can save me from my sin. That's the point. And when I doubt, and when you may doubt, it comes, my assurance comes from the Word of God. A lot of times, assurance comes from people's circumstances. Oh, yeah, I really remember that day because it was sunny and it was, it was kind of wet a little bit. No, no, that is not my assurance. If you say, Adrian, you're not saved, you're not going to go to heaven, I will look right back at you and laugh. You know why? Because John 3.36 says, He that believes on the Son hath everlasting life. I did that. And by the authority of the word of God, I'm going to heaven. If I looked at you and said, you're not going to heaven, would that shake you? If I looked at you and said, you know what? You're not safe. Would that make you, oh. oh. No. Or do you know from the Bible that you are saved from your sin? And if you do know, have you tried to tell another person what it means to be saved? You ought to be gospelist. <laughs> you ought to be great. At being able to share the gospel with another person.